Hey, Jim. How's it going, man? Good, brother. How's good. the levels there? How's the levels? Levels are good. It's good. All right. It's all levels. These all levels, levels are good, too. All <laughs> levels are good. <laughs> we are finally back at an evening podcast recording, yeah. and uh, that means there's wine on the table, which is... But you're 12 feet away. I'm 12 feet away, and then we're going to have to somehow slide the bottle back there. Yeah. One of us can build a little contraption to kind of just... I'll get the hook. I'll get the hook. <laughs> the cane. I'll get my cane. But on, today, <laughs> on today's show, it's just the two of us. Just the two, two of us. <laughs> <laughs> we want to do another Q&A. We got a bunch of questions from a lot of listeners. Before we dive into that action, I want to say thank you so much for everybody listening. Keeps yeah, on growing. Well, I, yeah, that's awesome. Really appreciate awesome. everybody reaching out and, and connecting with both of us and calling us and texting us and, and, and we're going to get back to you guys. I really appreciate everybody's been reaching out to uh, get stickers and I got some stickers going out to the UK now, which is great. That's beautiful. Anybody's interested in stickers, please contact me, DM me, e- email me, info at theconstructionlife.com. And so we want to just say that we're at the Carrick Hall offices. 12 we feet are. away from each other. 12 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quiet evening in the office right now, and uh, we do have a bottle of wine here. What do you got here, Jim? You got... I nice... guess it's from my uh, wine agents. Oh. That's actually that's actually what they're called. They're wine agents. That's the name of their company. And they, you know, they I buy a case of this every year. And it's a nice white wine. It is a nice one. I yeah. like it. You know, we didn't get a chance to chill it, but so we got some ice no, cubes so in there. No, so we got some ice cubes, yeah. So we <laughs> feel like we're hanging around a pool. <laughs> But we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm going to start with a little construction information. I want to test you, Tim. But Tim, I want to right. test you, Jim. Can you tell me what's a box crib? A box crib. Crib. Okay, so a crib to me would be something that you would just build, throw it into the water, and put a bunch of stone in it and hope your dog doesn't float away. <laughs> <laughs> so according to this, think of this as the final steps of a game of Chenga but without the anxiety of the collapse. Instead, box cribs are temporary elements used to reinforce and add additional support to heavy objects during construction. The material used to create the box cribs are often wooden bars. Due to their practicality, box cribs forms are also used in film productions for stabilizing platforms and dolly tricks. So, not far off of what not I said. Not far off, not far off. No, no, no. But I just thought I'd to share that there. It's a crib. A crib. We are going to do another... Q&A with Jim and Manny. That's what we're going to do here. Awesome. I'm going to just... I'd just like to say, though, something. What's that? Like, anybody, uh, you know, all you guys out there listening, and we don't know everything. Oh, no. And, and, you know, when when we're answering these questions and, I guess, giving advice or just, you know, talking about our experiences, by all means, you know, if if you feel that, you know, that we're, we're not on the right, what do you call it, you know, if we're not... Path. I don't but know. For not on the right path. Yeah. And and, uh, and if you've had another experience with a different outcome, I, you know what? We would love to hear it. I mean, that's what, this, that's what this whole thing's all about. It's really about sharing. That's yeah, all. Yeah, sharing. Because we experience, like, tomorrow I'm going to go out and I'm going to experience something different again. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the beauty all. of construction is that we learn every single day. Yeah. You're still learning, Jim. I'm learning every day, man. And we hear about this from everybody else. So, yeah, you guys ask us questions. We'll only give you, as Jim has stated before in other shows, we'll only give you what we've experienced and how we went through it. That's and what all worked, we can. What didn't work. Yeah. And if you guys have better solutions or other outcomes, please share them, man. Yeah. We really want to just share them. Am I okay that, or am I right to say that this is this is their platform, too? Like, oh, it's 100%. We might be the two guys here, but no. by all means, guys, like use this. Use this. 
reach out to us. And if anybody else that's been on the show and you want to talk to anybody else, use it as a, an opener. Yeah. I heard you on the construction life. Yeah. And I want to just pick your brain about this, please. That's why I And joke. if you have it, yeah, like we can, well, obviously this is what we're going to do. There's questions and we can put it out and hey, everybody that's listening, you can uh, help us answer them sometimes. That's all it is. And that's actually going to lead to one day we will do the round table. We will do the round table. We are going to do this. This is going to happen. And I know that a lot of you guys have been reaching out to me saying, listen, I want in. I want in. I want to be a part of this. Okay. So we just talked about something a minute ago. Bring it up, Jim. So let's bring it up. And I've been asked about this before. And again, like, I don't have to be the leader of this or anything else. Why not? But (laughs) (laughs) I nominate Jim to be the leader. Okay. All right. But anybody, you guys out there would, and uh, I guess this would work, well, I guess basically for Canada right now, some form of um, member. Or, a, or, or something. Membership or no, it's kind of that word membership kind of yeah, creates I, yeah a negative like I I don't yeah I don't want, yeah I don't know if it's that's the right word I don't know if it's an association, association. let's use association yeah. for now would they, would you guys be interested in doing that Probably, show us show us tell us how interested you guys yeah. might be in in yeah. being a part of an association that actually gives back that actually helps you with furthering your construction career. Yeah. And your business yeah. and your helping to get started, everything, you know, the legal end of it, the, the rough the, spots, the, the rough. Yeah. All the stuff, even the good stuff and the good stuff. And then also give back too, because Jim and I both want to give back to the industry. And I know Jim, you brought something up last week when you just text me, we won't bring it up right now, but I mean like you constantly are just texting me or you'll call me and just go, I got an idea. And I'm right. like, great. So we're going to write it down. We're going to keep it. And these are all going to be put into that bag where we, we have suggestions. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's always about giving back to the construction life. That's what's really important here. We want more and more guys and girls to be a part of this. We don't want them to be afraid about growing in this industry All right. or even approaching others and asking questions. Everybody should be willing to pay it forward and be a part of this association. Associated. Yeah, we're that's all a, that's associated. All it is. Yes. Bring yeah. it back to the origin of that word, right? Yeah. And we don't, we don't, it's not a cash grab kind of bull thing. It's not, we don't want that. That's not what it's about. No. This is really about giving back to the industry that has given us so much. Exactly. Simple as that. That simple. It's good that you brought that up, man. Oh, thanks, brother. On with the show. We go. First, let's start off with a few shouts. I want to do some shout outs. Nick Andrew, uh, he made a great suggestion to me. He was like, everyone check out Joel from Elite Custom Millwork. They're doing some pretty amazing work. He's very passionate and he's actually working with them. Please check him out, guys. All right. And also, I want to just give a heads up to our French friends just to the east of us. John Sachs. John Sachs over at White Oak Dot Construction out of Quebec. We've got a lot of listeners from from the Quebec area. Nice. They love listening to us. I don't know if we'll ever do a French show because my French is brutal. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I can't do it. (laughs) Maybe we'll dub it. I don't know. We'll dub it one day. Another shout out. We got um, Kestrel Renovations, Halifax based. Nice. The Rock. He's, he's so no, mil- no, that's Halifax. Sorry. That's, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you just the offended rock. a lot of people. I now. know. Jeez. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Halifax based uh, millwork company. And they're learning a lot from the show and nice. the content that we provide. So thanks, guys, so much for reaching out and listening and spreading the TCL word out east. Uh, another shout out to Upper Level Finishings. Or sorry, Upper Level Finishes. And I'm not even going to pronounce this, man. His name is E-V-G-H-E-N-I-I. Okay. Evgenahi? 
I'm going to apologize for brutalizing. I'm sorry that, okay? He's an amazing finisher, carpen- Finnish carpenter doing some great work out in Ottawa. Beautiful. So we got talking about curved uh, finishing and, and everybody's saying check him out. So or one last shout out, my brother from Manitoba, Jarrett. Jarrett, who's got at Pacific Wild General Contracting. I love the name, eh? What part of Manitoba did he say? Uh, I don't know which part it is. So, J- Jerry, you got to get back to me and let me know what part you're from, man. So yeah, he reached text out to us me. right now. <laughs> <laughs> he reached out to me this week asking about uh, a GC, and here's the deal. So this was a scenario that he had. He was submitting a quote, and the GC that got his quote was telling him his work should be done in 10 hours. And he actually sent me the scope of work, and he asked my opinion what do you think? How long would it take? And I said, you're probably looking at two full days, man. Realistically. What was the scope? Well, it was a breakdown of, I think, a bathroom. And he wanted to demo the, the old bathroom, get rid of all the tile, get rid of all the board, and then reinstall a new board, and then reinstall tile. And he wants it done in 10 hours. And this was the GC? This was the GC. He's telling him that it should be done in 10 hours. Is this his first job? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so I And Jared said, you know what? I was actually on the same page with you, Manny. I think it's a two-day job, right? Huh? So I said, listen, Jared, don't lower your es- your estimate. Raise his expectations. Yep. That's what you got to do there, man. Last shout out here. So the team at Custom and Quality Inc. Quality electricians, contractors, and they now I've added some real estate into the mix. Guys, keep up the awesomeness. We love what you guys are doing. That's all. Wanna Beautiful. Some shout out Thank there. you. So I want to start before we get into the very first question, Jim. I want to bring up a scenario that was brought up to me. Mohammed from atfomit.ca. reached out to me and he wanted to get my opinion about something. So I want to get your opinion about it now. Here's the scenario. GC does a job. Client screws the GC over. Fires him soon after drywall. Tell me if if you've heard this one before. (laughs) Okay. Just tell me if you heard this one before. GC takes client to court. Client reaches out to spray foam trade requesting documentation for the work performed because the client requires the paperwork to get her occupancy. His question was, should he provide the documentation to the client? I asked him who had the contract. Were you working for the GC or working for the homeowner? He said he was working for the GC. So I said, you're not obligated to give it to the client. No. What do you think, Jim? Did he get paid? The GC paid the spray foam guy out of his own pocket, but the GC was never paid by the client. And that's why they're going legal now. Now the client is asking the spray foam trade for the documentation but the contract was between the spray foam trade and the GC. So, out of loyalty and knowing where your, your butter, butter is coming from, yeah, I, yeah I, would, I would stick with my GC. I was of the same mind. Yeah. Are we wrong to side with the GC and not the client? We don't know the whole story. Exactly. That, right? That's the extent of the story that I've gotten. Right. So let's, we're just going to assume that the work was done. They did a nice job. As we all know, always at the end, it's the hardest last 10% to get. I'd side with the GC. So you would not give I a document? No, no. I've been, down, was, I've been down this road before. And with, in my trades, follow, like, are loyal. They, it, like, if we get into a situation where, you know, we haven't been paid, they will not do anything. For, there's, there's for a, the homeowner. There's a brotherhood. Yeah. And it, it's not... Because we're all in this situation one time or another. Yes. Or it'll be more than one time. Trust me. Yeah. Like, you guys that are young, getting into this, I, it's it's really shitty to say to get used to it, but get used to it. 
and just, you know, just try to avoid it as best you can by getting as much money up front or just don't let yourself get too deep. Yep. Again, I've, I've done it myself and let it go too far. So I would say to all the young guys, because I know that you guys are always thinking, what if we do get in those situations? Do not get discouraged. Do not run away from it. Prepare yourself for it. And the only way you really can prepare yourself for it is by speaking to other trades that have gone through it yeah. or go through it yourself. But that's a harder way of doing it. You definitely want to speak to somebody who's been through it. For sure. And you're going to, you're going, it's going to happen. It will. And just, you know, you can just cut your losses the best you can and get out. That's all we got to say about that. So, yeah, no, thanks. I mean, again, you know, it just boils down to loyalty. I mean, just, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. But it also boils down to, you know, as a GC, this is when it really counts that you're really good with your trades and you take care of them. And obviously this GC sounds like he's a pretty good dude. He went and took care of his trade, even though he didn't get paid. Which says a so lot. That says a lot. Thank you very much for the question there. And now we're on to the actual questions of the show. By the way, Jim, this is show number 129. Wow. 129. When did I come around? You were under the hundreds. You're yeah, before, like yeah you were like in the 90s. 70s or something, man. No, it was 90-something. 90-something no, was? I got to yeah. look back it. took you guys it. 90 shows to finally <laughs> figure out you wanted me to come on. <laughs> you didn't even know what a podcast I was. I didn't even back. know what it was. Still don't really know what it is. <laughs> All this technology is way past you, man. All right, so we got Joe right off the bat. Joe from at Fortunatas underscore has a few questions, okay? So, Jim, you got to prepare yourself for this. These Jeez. are good questions, actually. Question number uno, do you struggle not being on the tools? He loves being on the site, but he wants to take on the GC role more and less on the tools. How does he handle that? You're not yep. on the tools anymore. No, you have to wean yourself off. If you're going to grow your business, you actually have, you, you do. Uh, you have to get off the tools. You can't manage in. What if you love it so much? What if you... Well, then, then just, you know, finish the fight with yourself and say, okay, this is where, this is as high am I, as I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to get in my career and be happy with it. And then there's nothing wrong with it. No. You know, if you like swing, you know what, the time will come as you get older that you just not going to be swinging that thing anymore. You know what I would say is I would say that you're right. Have that conversation with yourself about when it's going to be time for you to get off the tools and focus on the, just the business side of the things. Yeah. And then if you ever get that urge, you're jonesing for being on the tools again, start attacking your own place. Yeah. Start attacking your own projects. Save your on the tool time for your own self because you've neglected your own personal that. stuff. Yeah, you've yeah. neglected it for how many years? The whole shoemaker story. You, you know what <laughs> I'm saying? It's so true. It's so true, right? So all of a yeah. sudden, if you get that, that desire to get back on the tools, save it for your own personal place. Yeah. Or your family, your kids, everybody else. See, it took me a while. It took me about, you know, probably I would say five to ten years to get off them. And I was still, you know, when we What did was the, the hard part? Like, what was the, the what was holding it, it was just, you know, I'll just do it myself because I'm just, like, get out of the way. You're not doing it right. It. So I'm just going to do it. But then finally you got a core group of guys that you. Yeah. But then, I mean, still today, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not walking around with a tool belt on or anything like that. But if I see stuff that needs to be cleaned up, I'll do it. I just, I'm not going to ask, hey, you come over, over here and bring clean a room it. and do it. No, yeah. I'll do it. But I think, you know, you know, as you get older, 
you will start to just, it'll just, it'll just happen. You'll, you know, you'll just take that role over. I wish I did it earlier, but when I did you officially, like how long ago that you were off the tools, have been off the tools? I would say, you know, probably in the last 10, 10 years. Eh? Yeah. I don't mind the young guys saying, listen, I'll get that. I'll get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of nice. But I like to, I mean, I, I, I haven't done it for a long time, but when I, a long time is maybe a couple of years. I haven't, I keep the tool belt under the seat in my truck. <laughs> it's got all the stuff in it, you know. It's not brand new tools like some guys wear on the shows, right? Like, you know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. I'm taking the fifth on that one. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, I have a, I had, I had a beat up pouch and somebody stole that. But somebody um, teethed it, huh? I can't believe that. Yeah, I think I gave it to one of my, one of the young guys that started. He didn't work out, and he took everything with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you're going, if you're going to grow your business, you have to, you got to learn to delegate. Is it possible to stay on the tools and still grow your business, or is it one or the other? I don't think you can do both. I don't think so either. Because once you, I mean, just think about it. You're on the tools, you're doing, you're working away, working away. You got to concentrate on half that. the day's gone. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I could have priced two jobs or I could have went met an architect and maybe got a job or I could be running three jobs, but I'm a dad. I can only do run one. the business, run find more the, guys, run the business. And then, is, you know what? I mean, if you really want to get on and you need a hand or somebody needs a hand, you just jump in. You know? That's as far as you get with getting back on the tools. But I think you really focus on not being on the tools and focus on yeah. being on the business. Yeah. You have to. To you grow the to. business. Yeah. But to grow, you I mean, if you're, you know, let's just take carpentry and uh, you have to be on the tools to get the thing going. And then slowly you got to start to, you know, trust, which is a big thing. That's a big thing to just... Hand it off. Hand it off, right? That get, was the hardest thing for me to do. Do you get young guys asking how you would do it, Jim? Yeah. You do, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And then you explain it to them and they kind of roll their eyes and walk away and do it their way. Is <laughs> that <laughs> so what happens? Yeah, but some of them actually know, have great ideas. Yeah. And then I I'll love, listen. I love listening to that. And Seriously. I'll listen. Yeah. And if it, it's a great deal, I'll say, you know what, Christ, what are you asking me for? You know better than me. I think they just wanted to know how it was done back then and they want to compare it to today. They don't. Well, yeah. They would never do how it was done back then because nobody would want to actually pick up a hammer with a, a wooden handle that only weighs... 12 ounces and you're still hammering your framing hey, with I a finishing a, hammer. <laughs> I, I have a wooden hammer because I refuse to buy one of those titanium hammers. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's just weird. I like the wooden hammer. I think those are, I think that's great. I think that's true. I think you, you either focus on the business or you focus on the tools. You decide. Yeah. And you're your right. Business Trust. Will, yeah. Your business will grow, but it's not going to grow where you want it to go. If you want to be bigger, a, a, a brand, you could have priced more jobs. You could have got two new jobs if you were focused on the business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. But, but, uh oh, if you're not, like, if you want to be on the tools and that makes you happy, being happy is far, far better. Oh, that's actually a very good point. Far, far better. Because running a business, as you know, is not always that great. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. Because that, once you run the business, you are the business. Well, you're always the business, but you're the one that constantly and getting shit. If anything goes wrong, your fault yeah you know yeah but he works for you even though he screwed it up your fault your name on the card your yeah. name you're responsible but then how do you deal with that guy who messed up 
You deal, well, you deal with it. You deal with it. You have to deal with it. That's I mean, they're it learning, right? Everybody, Christ, my guys are, you know, like they, they mess up. What are you going to do? You can't throw them under the bus. The other day I was working and I was below Julio who's working with me and he just missed his hammer. <laughs> I don't even know how it happened, but the hammer went by me. <laughs> and he just gave me this look like, holy crap, I almost just hit the boss in his head <laughs> with, with, a... with his hammer, actually. Nice. And, then I, and I was like, yeah, it happens. I mean, it didn't, there was no, no harm, no foul, but yeah, it didn't happens. hit me. It didn't hit me, but it would have hurt if it hit me, but it didn't hit me. All right, let's, let's move on. Uh, question number two is a simple one, though, but I don't know how you're going to answer this, Jim. Job site vacuums, what are your thoughts? Sure. Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? A couple of them. Have a few vacuums. You, everybody, I think, uh, I think we're beyond brooms. I think we're beyond just having brooms well, I think and you dust still got to have the broom, but I mean... It's nice to have a vacuum to start sucking up dust instead of just sweeping dust around. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Question number three, job site garbage. Get it off the site. So I who's geez. really responsible for it? We are. The trade who made the mess? The GC because it's this their is, site? Oh. Are we supposed to clean up after grown men and women? Here we go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so this is a fight that we've had. We still have. <laughs> Some of our trades will clean up. Others, they'll just leave it. Like, you know, the shavings of this. Like, you know, the plumbing shavings. The, you know, maybe it's... You know, the electrical guys, you know, snipping those little bits of copper and leaving them on the floor. I'm going to point fingers at electricians, man. Right? Like, that's the worst. You right know, on, you right step on, on that, it. That, that little piece oh. of exposed finished flooring, and you got those little pieces of copper, and you step on it, and you got to scratch. Twist your foot once, boom, it's gone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean. So, I, you know what? I, I, we ask our... You know, we, we ask our trades to pick up. Most of them, they're pretty good. Or they'll, you know, they'll throw it in a pile somewhere. At least it's a start, right? It'll be an, it, it's an, it will be an ongoing battle. My goal, I think, is to actually have a job from the very beginning to the very end where I do not have to utter the phrase, can you clean up after yourself? Right. And then I would have achieved GC Nirvana. You know what I mean? Because I there there is I think daily, maybe weekly basis. I actually uttered that sentence. Can you please yeah. clean up after yourself? Yeah, I, and I think it's a lot of new trades, new guys with your old trade, like new guys with the trade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen there's a you know a coffee cup sitting there, when three I... when three feet away there is a nice garbage bale with a garbage bag in it, ready to go. What about the coffee cup that's half empty? Oh been there since yesterday really? and then you hit it and it spills all, all over the drawings or it spills all over something yeah i hate those man i don't understand why you don't finish the coffee or put it out or trash <laughs> or just or, get rid of I don't it. get rid of it i don't understand so i mean the question yeah. was like who's responsible the trade who made the mess or the gc because it's their side oh the, like, the gc is responsible it is yeah but he can't really act like i i, I think it was was it you or i can't remember who the trade sitting not babysitting. It's trade, trade sitting. sitting. Yeah, that's what we are. We're GCs that yeah. are trade no, sitting. I, we just. I mean, I got told that the other day. Hey, are you guys going to clean us up? Not my job. By oh. whom? I can't say. <laughs> 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 but the thing is, you know, it's funny as you go. You bring that point back where they don't go to the trade and ask them to clean up. They go to you. They go to the GC to yeah. can you clean that up? 
Can you make sure it's clean? Which brings up another point, and, and I, this is kind of interesting. So are you responsible to shovel the drive? Yeah. You know what? I would say yes, because it's a safety thing. It is, but I spoke to a lawyer. <laughs> and here's, and here's, Are we going that deep? Uh, we're going to go that deep, because I spoke to a lawyer about this, because I was asked to shovel, and then I was even asked to shovel the neighbor's walkway. Right. right. And I spoke to the attorney, and the attorney said, the moment you shovel... You're responsible now if someone slips. Really? That's what he said. So by you not shoveling, you're not being disrespectful to the client or to the neighbors or anything like that. You are basically not taking the legal liability. You can shovel, clear it, but then if it gets slippery or whatever and someone slips, you're on the hook now hmm. for doing it. That's what I was told. So I don't shovel. That's why you get the... Uh the snow melt going right away. <laughs> <laughs> you build the snow melt first. first. That's what you do. <laughs> you build it in the summer, yeah. and then you're ready for construction when you're doing the whole build. Break it up. Don't yeah. worry, I'll turn on the snow melt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Question four, um, hovering. Trade hovering. So when trades are on site doing their scope and you as a GC hang out and watch, some trades have an issue with this. Trades think that you as a GC will steal their tricks and not hire them again. How do you guys handle hovering on site? I know some trades have an issue. They actually think that? Yeah. They, they, Jim, when are you going to start your stair business? When are you going to start your plumbing business? When are you gonna, they actually think that. Some trades actually think wow. you hovering is you're going to steal their tricks. And I remember I had a stair guy do this one time. He actually stopped. He was like, I'm not going to complete this until you leave because I don't, wanna, I don't want you to see my trick. And I'm like, I hired you, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I called his employer. I was going, he's refusing to finish the job. So then he, he left. This guy left. And so I spoke to the owner of the company and I just said, is he coming back tomorrow to finish the job? And he goes, yes, he apologizes to me and he's going to come back tomorrow. So he came back and, and he did the rest of the job and I saw the trick and I was like going, okay, I actually you know left that trick. because of this. Yeah. But his wow. concern was I was going to steal it and start all of a sudden hardcore rentals stairs, hardcore stairs or something. Jeez. But I mean, wow. there are some trades out there that feel that you hovering, you're going to steal their work, their tricks. I mean, I've, I w would call it hovering or whatever you want, but... Don't you, you do know. it just like the same way you would stop at a job site downtown, you look through the window and you're just curious about the work? Yeah, that's all that's I'm doing. doing. But, you know, some of them have said like, okay, Jim, you guys, you're going to stand here and just watch? Because <laughs> it kind of... You know, I just don't want somebody over my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Like, they, nobody came out, I, I'm not yeah, going to steal my idea, man. No, no, I just like to learn. Like, I want to see how it all goes in, and then if I don't like the way it goes in, I go say, hey. <laughs> Try it this way. So, yeah, I don't like this. But I guess the flip side on that coin is, like, would it bother you if the clients were standing there day in, day out watching you? Yes. It would bother you, eh? Yeah. It would bother me. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't need to be here all day. No. I'd rather you not be here all but day. But if I see other trades hovering over another trade, hey, get back and do your own thing. <laughs> like, why are you watching? You're an electrician. Why are you watch the carpenter? Oh, because I'm curious about that. They always say that. Well, I'm doing my basement, so I just want to get some oh, pointers. Don't right? you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, one trade doesn't show up because he was working on He's that other trade. He's overdoing the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that that kind of hovering's okay. I guess it's like I don't no, I don't because it disrupts the the flow of your job site. Right. So guys, no hovering. Hover at lunchtime. <laughs> right? You got a whole But nobody wants to hour. watch somebody else eat food. 
Well, that's true. Unless but you can you talk about it. Stagger lunch is then. So everyone could be like staggered. No, they can't do they it. With the no, nobody, oh, they're no. going to lose their minds for no, sure. No, that's another thing. Yeah. So okay. They like that moment when they're all together. Yeah. It's only Because they can talk about the GC and, you know, they can talk about the homeowners, talk about, oh, yeah, you know, that's a G. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> It's a wonderful world we we work in. We live in, man. <sighs> okay, social media. Should you as a tradesperson commit time to it? He's asking because more and more trades are asking to contact them via DMs. I know for a fact that when I give a trade a shout out on work that they've done for me. You get a DM. No, no, they, they give me a DM, they thank me, but they actually get a call. They get calls of clients calling out to them, asking them to quote a job. Wow. I actually like doing that. I actually like sending it out. Or I'll get DMs from homeowners going, can you recommend a good HVAC, plumber, electrician? And I'll make a suggestion to the first per- person that pops in my mind. I think social media is important today, in today's day. I think, yeah, I think, I don't understand it. That, yeah, I'm getting better at it, but... It's, uh, I think definitely it. You want to get work, you can get work that way. Yeah. I think your clients are out there. I think other tradespeople are out there. Yeah. I think working with other people. I don't know if we've got any work from it. No? Yet. I don't know. Maybe. I mean. I've got some I I guess, you know, websites and Facebook, all that is social media, I guess. Yeah. It's all, it's all considered it. Yeah. So if you got a client who's noticing something and they reach out, but if they are looking for, I mean, I had Kelly from Austin, Texas there. Yeah, she reached out to me today, and she's trying to find somebody in Austin, Texas, to do some tile work, and she's asking my opinion. Here's a guy from Toronto, and I'm talking to her, and I'm like, I actually don't know that many people out in Austin, yeah. Texas, about that, right? But she's trying to reach out to the big players, and they don't get back to her. Nobody, nobody's getting back to them, right? So, I mean, I I would say just keep trying, but I would try the smaller players. The whole social media thing, I think, it can be also taken too far. <sighs> What do I say about it? I say that it's abusive. Well, what I what I mean by that is it almost gets it overshadows. Well, it almost like it, it, it you know you're you're doing all this. Um, what do you call it when you put your thing on for a couple of minutes? Your the story, live stream your oh, story, the story, or the story, yeah. like that. The fifteen second story. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I think some you know, and some of them are done very well, but some I find that are. Just, you know, just trying to be TV dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the second time you're going down this path. I am. Like, I, I mean, you My know, therapist I, said not to go down this path. Oh, okay. No, well, no, no, no. That's my therapist. You're not using yeah, my therapist. Okay. <laughs> I am your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want... You know what, Jim? I agree with you, man. I, I like, think, I don't know. Am I, am I overstepping? Am I no, you're it? not because it's it's actual fact. It's fact that social media is is just as addictive as any kind of narcotic out there. They've proven right. this already. The dopamine that's attached to it for actually getting your followers and getting your likes and you wake up and the first thing you look at is a social media. That's what I'm saying is that use social media for what you wanted to use it for. Right. But don't abuse it or don't be tied down by it. So my girlfriend said to me the other day, you know, what oh my God, I don't know, almost like I got a thousand and eighty followers. Okay. Everybody start following Jim. Yeah. So <laughs> and then um she goes, You're only gonna get more followers if you like you need to do more. You gotta keep on feeding the machine. I go, well okay, but I guess that's just not my thing. I have spurts of <laughs> doing stuff, right? And, uh, when was the last time you posted, Jim? A week? 
Oh, more than that. More than a week, eh? Yeah. See, that's that. That's dinosaur years in social media. Right. You could probably jump two thousand right now if you were to post one thing every single day for the next two weeks. You'll jump another thousand followers. I guarantee you. Really? Take all, all right, the well, care. I'm going to try it. Try it out. Post something tomorrow. Post something the day after. Just do it first thing in the morning. I always recommend doing it first thing in the morning because the contractors are all waking up early. Right. Except for yourself. <laughs> you don't I'm have old, to. I'm old. You don't need to. <laughs> but I, like, I honestly think is that like use it for what it's worth. I've said that before. I mean, don't get addicted to it. It's like it's consuming. Pay attention. If you got an iPhone, it actually tells you how many hours you spent on social media. Wow. And that's what's sad is how many hours you, you spent. Do, you could be doing something else. You could be doing something else, man. Focus on other things. Focus on your business, your brand. Trying to figure out. But use it for what it's worth and then try to attract clients. So when do you shut that thing off? Me? Once a week. No, I mean, like, when do you shut it down at the end of the day? I do. When? Me. When? What time? Like, 10 o'clock. At night? 10 o'clock at night. I shut it down. So you go from... Four. Six o'clock in the morning. Four. Four in the morning. Four to ten. Wow. Four to ten. That's my day on the phone. And then it gets shut down. So if you could try to get a hold of me between ten and four, you won't get a hold of me. But that's not social media. That's just work. The, yeah. It's yeah. a combination. Yeah. But right. it's, it's like the one and the, they're the same. One and the, like it's both the same thing. But I right. think it's important to have, you know, they talk about fasting. Right. They talk about technology fasting. It's really important to disconnect from your phone. We're I think too, so, right? We're too addicted to our phones. Yes. We're too addicted to social media. Yes. The sad thing is that I have seen the stats and, and, and it is, it's scary and it's overshadowed by what's going on in the world and stuff like that. But a lot of cyberbullying goes on on social media yeah. and it is affecting a lot of kids. It's affecting a lot of businesses. It's affecting a lot of human beings like adults. It's affecting everybody. So like, that's what I'm saying is like, don't let it control you. you. Right. Just use it for what it's worth and then take advantage of it to attract clients. Pay attention to which platforms, by the way, LinkedIn and Facebook will attract more clients than social media on Instagram. Really? That's a fact. Hmm. Most clients are not so much on social media to look for work as much as they are on LinkedIn and Facebook. You know what? That's that's right. We got our, you know, last year we got two or three jobs from Facebook. Yeah. Because our generations, right. like our people, I would say from mid to late 30s, even early 40s, are focusing on those two platforms. We dabble in IG, maybe a little bit of Twitter, but those two platforms they really focus on. And if you're a female, you're really focusing on Pinterest. So if right, you can figure right, a way right. to be a really tech savvy contractor on Pinterest, you will get a lot of female clientele. I guarantee you, you will. Mm. I just don't know how you do it because Pinterest is a is a is an odd platform right. to feed it on a, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. But everybody loves the instant gratification of IG. That's right. the problem with it, right? Right. And we all know for a fact that. 99% of the bull on IG is, is just made for the filters that are out there. We right. don't know the truth of it. People don't share the truth of it. That's the scary part of it. I just say use it for what it's worth. That's all. Well, I said even when I did the show way, way back, and you, know, you, just, you just milk it for, yeah. for what it's worth. And yeah. you know, it was a, back then there was no IG or anything like that, and I just use it as a marketing tool. That's all it is. And you know, it worked. Some of, some of the time. There's a lot of cows on TV today, huh? Milking a lot of bull. Milking a lot of bull. How do you milk a bull? <laughs> well, I'm sure they're figuring <laughs> it out. 
Yeah, it's not milk, though. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> question number six. Uh, hard questions to bring up with clients. When designers' ideas and their designs don't match what is able to be built on site, how does a tradesperson speak to a client about these issues without upsetting the designer-contractor balance? Oh, well, I, you know, okay. So in my experience, you're always going to upset the uh, designer-contractor balance. They've got a vision in their head. You and, can't build it. And, and if you can't build it, then you're not, you know, a good contractor. So, I mean, you know, trying to keep the balance, like, good luck. Uh, I think that's when you, when you actually do find a designer that you can work with and, you know, he or she knows how you work, that's the balance. I mean, I have a couple designers now that we work with and we work like it's the team like it's you it's, guys it's respect the, it's the dream team yeah yeah nice yeah for sure yeah the architect the designer and us like it's but you uh, she was actually one of our clients the first client that i've met this designer on before and i built two houses for this client and then the last house we did i met uh, i met sarby and uh she just she came right out and and said to our client like it was the first time working with you know caracol working with jim i get it like he he understands what we want and and the brilliant thing with with her she's also an architect so she gets it she gets it and you know and then when when you do say hey you know it's gonna be really hard to do that maybe we should do it this way they listen and then at the end, the result is amazing, you know, and then the client's happy. Are you reluctant sometimes to bring that up to certain designers to go, listen? Years and years and years ago I was, but I don't, I don't anymore. No. Once you see I, the I drawing. Just say, I just, yeah, I just say, look, you know, that's not going to work. Sorry. I mean, you know. You've been down that road before. You yeah, built this. I said, you know what? It's a beautiful drawing. Did you tell them how much it would, you thought it was going to cost or you just drew it? Usually they never tell them what the cost is. Well, so I said, well, why don't I just tell you now what I think it's going to be? <laughs> and then that'll, that'll probably, that'll probably persuade. They you. will let you know whether they want to move forward with it or not. Because pencil and paper is a lot cheaper. And, than... and answer to the question, it's a tough balance, man. And you have to, again, I think it's just confidence in knowing what you're talking about. You, you can... You can tell a designer in a nice way that it's not going to work and not offend them. Sometimes they need to be offended. Right? <laughs> Just look at it. It doesn't work. You get your $200 an hour. I'm standing here. Nobody's paying me. That's a different scenario. Right? I'm standing here because the client asked me to, come to be a part, of this, be site part of this meeting. Meanwhile, you know, you're getting paid. I'm not. You've drawn something. I'm voicing my opinion that it can't be built this way. Right. I'm sorry that you're offended by it, but maybe we should look at options on redrawing it. But this is where it goes to now. Now we're probably going a little further than what the guy asked, but if there's, you know, if there's anyone listening out there that is going to build the home, do a you know, renovation, do whatever, hire the designer or hire the architect, hire the designer and hire your contractor. Before you even start. Because then you make get sure it. they all can work together. Yeah. And then let them move forward. Because 
it's going to go that much smoother, especially if they're a team already that have worked together before. How do you feel about those design build kind of scenarios where you do get an architect designer and a builder all in the same shop and they come forward and they bring everything to the table? Uh, it, it, there, there's some guy, there's some teams that can do some great work. Yeah. Yeah. They I mean, work. you know what? People always look at it. They, they, they go, oh, you know, what am I doing? What am I paying here? I'm, am I paying huge for this? How do I know what it's going to look like? Well, you hope you've done your due diligence and went and looked at their website, look what they've done and everything done else. Done their and homework, then, yeah. Right? You know, design, build. I mean, that's kind of what we are. That then we give them the option of picking a designer that they would like to work with. So I guess it's really about like if you're the contractor in that story there and you have a site meeting, just be confident in your skill set, your workmanship. And then if you see someone that's drawn and it doesn't work, speak up. What you need to ask the homeowner is who gets the final say. Like are you, I, mean, I always ask that. I say, you know, okay, you have a designer here. Am I listening to her or him? That's interesting. Or... Am I going to take direction from you? Who am I going to take direction from? Because what I, I need to know. Who's the, what's the go-to? What do the clients mostly say? Because I've seen them say a lot, the designer. Well, they do say, and we're going through that right now. Right now, we're going through that with the job we're doing. It's Dan, Dan's working on the project. They said months and months ago, whatever their designer says, you do. No questions asked. So we did. It's all coming down. They don't, the clients don't like what was, can't stand it. They goes, this is not what I asked for. But it was built exactly as it was drawn. Right. But where's the designer bit? Hasn't been to the site in six weeks. Dun, dun, dun. So... We're not going to sit and take the heat for all this. This is this is what you told us to do. We did it. So now it's coming down. Now Dan's on his way up tomorrow to Doesn't meet that hurt, him, man? That hurts. Meet the designer and, and go through this. To build something and then be asked to take yeah. it down and then be, rebuild it and then... <sighs> you know what? I mean, it's it's when it gets to that stuff where like you're putting stone on a wall and it's... And you want the wider mortar joints or thinner ones, you gotta mock it up. And you, the homeowner, needs to stand there. Yeah. Whether you gotta take a day off work or whatever, you gotta come and say, yes. No? Yes, that's the one I want. I, I say they gotta stand there three times a day. What they uh, gotta see what it looks like in the morning. You know, what if it looks this like is in the a afternoon. focal point of your house and you're adamant, you know, I want this, I want this, you I want better you look better at be Yeah, you better yeah. spend the time and effort on a mock up. Oh, for sure. Otherwise, it, it it's going to go all up, and then it may come all down. It's all going to come down, yeah. And that just hurts, man. It does. I mean, our objective is to build, not to... We demolish. Not to demolish, the, then yeah. build. Yeah, but not to build, then build, demolish. Demolish, build, and then demolish. Demolish again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that. Moving on. So... Uh, I know a lot of guys in the U.S. versus Canada. I don't know how it all works here, but he's asking... When to install finished flooring. Some guys do it before trim. Some guys do it after trim. I do it before. Do you? I do it before. I do it before. I cover it up. And then I put the trim right to the actual finished flooring. Right. Depending if you're going to use a shoe mold. 
True. On the baseboard? I yeah. don't. We just put the baseboard on. We paint. We spray the first. The then you put the finished floor in? Then we put the finish. Then we just do the shoe mold. So you guys go that route? Yeah. Designers want it that way too? Or I, that doesn't... It doesn't matter what they want. I mean, if we're, do, if we're doing a shoe mold, that's how we do it. I find a lot of U.S. guys do it that way too. Yeah. Okay. That's just well, it's less chance of getting erect. The floor, right? Well, I, I'm always protecting the floor. I'm not using yeah. my board. I'm using the eighth inch. But yeah. it costs you money. It costs money to do that. But have you seen some of the, the, the trades and their finishing skills? and <laughs> Dragging their, their toolbox with one wheel that doesn't oh. have any rubber left on it. <laughs> and they go, what up? <laughs> what up? What up? <laughs> you know what up? That missing wheel there. That's what up. Um, okay. Another designer question. Uh, when designers want all communications done through them and trades included, the GC are not allowed to speak to the client. Why would you? Why would you take the job as a GC? So Joe, no Joe feels that the piece of meat. He feels like a piece of meat not being able to speak when people he's building for. So he's not allowed to talk to the clients at all. That's a, that's a weird scenario because I it think is totally is. we're all human beings yeah. and you've got a builder here and their trades, their team, and they're the ones you that put are, a price in. Yeah. No, sorry. So you can't have a line drawn by the designer saying you can't speak to the clients and no. you're never allowed to speak to well, the clients. Okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. Unless the GC was brought in by the designer and Hey, you just, you're coming along for the ride with true. Me, true. Right. But if you got the client who brought the designer, the architect, and the GC, then the GC should have every right to speak to the client. Look at, you know, if you're a, if you're a homeowner, you don't want the GC on them. You want him on your side. Yeah, he's the guy that's going to say this is going to be built right. I can this do is or what I it's can't do. Cost, yeah, you know, and like don't shit on him because he's telling you how much it's going to cost. Your design person should have an idea what. She or he is designing and how much it's going to cost. Like if you're coming in and say, okay, look, Jim, you know, I want, and I'm a designer and you, I want a wall unit there is 12 feet long. I can say 12, 15,000 bucks. That's where we'll start. Thousand bucks a foot. Full height. If that's what you want. Oh, geez. I just wanted to spend five. All right. Well, I'll give you four feet there and two <laughs> feet up. That's what I'll give you. But no, you get, it's it's better to throw the number get it, right then and there. Get it out. Everyone's yeah. always nervous about getting those numbers Just right. Just get in. it out. Get it out, huh? Get it out. Just be honest, and and goes back to you being confident with yourself and your skill set as a contractor. And look, guys, you know what? When you throw that number out and they all fall down, and you grab them, pick them back up. <laughs> it's just say, look, the the only reason I'm going to tell you it's you know twelve thousand dollars is I'd rather come back down. Yeah. I'd rather you know now that, yeah, we can do it for less, but let's start high. Then the client it's can take back. It's easier to bring it. Oh, it's easier to give money back to them. Yeah. Instead of going, well, I can do it for five. Then they design it. Well, now it's 10. Now you're asking them for money. Yeah. It's better off you're going, hey, you remember we point. thought it was 12? You know, it actually came That's out at really 8,500. 80, yeah, it's true. And then they, then they love you. Mm-hmm. You've solved the problem You've for them. You've solved the problem. You <laughs> saved the money. All right. Speaking of money, I got a question for you, Jim. Because oh. I know that I think you and Dan brought this up on your show when you guys were talking about partnerships and sole proprietorship and incorporating. Why is it that some custom jobs, tradespeople feel that as soon as a part of the scope of work is completed, they submit an invoice and expect payment ASAP? 
as we all do. But 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 why? Why is there not a thirty day period? Why is there not like there a is process? I mean, there should be. There should be right. So, yeah. but but I find that when it comes to customer innovations, you've got tradespeople going. Here's the invoice. Can I get a check? Can I get an e transfer? Can I get? What are you a crackhead? Like what's going on here? Like yeah, I need the money right away. But there's a process, right? It's a process for sure. We don't get paid until the from end the of client. The month. You get you get it in draws. Right? You get pieces of it. So you got a piece of that that tradesperson money, but now they're asking for a bigger chunk of that money. So what we do? How do you guys have with our that? guys? Is you know, let's just say the electrician comes in, and it's January first. Bill me now, but I haven't started. You know, it's going to be thirty days. Put the invoice in now. Exactly. And in thirty days. You'll be done instead of giving me the invoice when you're done. I've already got it. So I can process it. And then you're not waiting for it. You're done. You've done the work. You know, and there you go. It's a lot better that but way. But again, a lot of our business, our you know, the trades in our business, you know, me, you know, the way the way I was back then too, just don't bill. Yeah. Then we get behind the eight ball, and then we want it right away because we haven't had a, <laughs> we haven't seen an invoice or haven't seen a check in three months. I know, I know. But that's how we usually do it. We, you know, we'll we'll just say, hey, okay, look, bill me the day you start. I just don't like the trades expecting payment right away, and I start to feel like, am I the one GC that just pays? Just pays. You got, well, I used to be that guy. And but at times I'm caring and then you get yelled at by certain people in your organization that help run your business and they go, listen, you don't want to be carrying things. No. You want to be a nice guy, but you don't want to be carrying things. Right. So submit it. You're invoice. not a bank. No. It's not Manny's bank. No. Expect the 30 day pay period. Then. Yeah. And I think that's only being fair. So if you've done, if you're going to start to work, you schedule somebody, they're supposed to come in that week. Hopefully they do come in that week. You've already submitted an invoice. It's getting processed. You do the work. Two weeks later, you get paid. It's that simple. And everybody's so happy. But yeah. I find a lot of tradespeople expect payment as soon as that. Okay, we're out of here. We swept up. We're clean. We're gone. Thank you very much. Can I have the e-transfer right away? Well, what about the guys that don't bill you till a year later? Yeah, that's another story. So how do you do that? Then you got to go back and go, wait a minute, what the, that was paid. Wasn't that paid? No, that wasn't paid. Then you got to right. figure out that. But then they're saying, well, I know I just didn't get around to it. <sighs> okay, well, then then you don't get paid. I've closed the job. They've moved into the house. It's long gone. I Where where do you expect me to get this money? So how do you handle that one then? You got to go back and close the job again. Don't get it. But you've already paid the person to close a job. So then... Right, I, and you've billed all your billing to the client. Yeah, so it's done. I can't go back and say, geez, you know, this guy forgot 3500 bucks. Can you bet? I've been living in his house for a year and a half, Jim. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we have somebody like that right now. Handed <laughs> us four invoices from a year ago. A year ago, four invoices. Yeah. And what did you guys do? We're discussing it. Probably not paying one. Really? We'll pay the others, but we're just decided not one week. So, but I mean, you know what's funny is that everybody expects the GC to be on their paperwork, but we also expect our tradespeople to be on their paperwork as well, Dude, too. You're running a business. That's everybody knows that construction, more than half of it is paper. Right. Like, how do you run a business when it's clearly it's not just us you're you've done this to? Yeah. Like, how do you live? There's other people that are outstanding. <laughs> and how do you forget? You you might forget. Oh. 
Okay, so that was good. That was good. Thank you so much, Joe, for all those interesting questions there. We're going to move along. And guess what, Jim? Mr. Smith got back to us. Nice. So we'll go through a little rapid setting ones here. So uh, he, he gave us a lot of answers here. So he wasn't sure how we're going to handle this, but we'll just do one at a time. Uh, Don't the, worry, Mr. Smith. <laughs> Mr. Smith is good. He listens all the time. Can an inspector enter the job site at any time? His question is essentially, uh, that's the question. His answer is essentially yes. The Building Code Act, Section 12, says an inspector may enter upon land and its buildings at any reasonable time without a warrant for the purpose of inspecting the building or site to determine whether or not the following are being compiled, complied with this act and the building code or in an order made out under this act. So they can just walk right in. Interesting. Interesting. Why would an inspector So not wait a second, wait a second. Okay. So Mr. Smith, if that's the case... What if the homeowner did not want you on site? Hmm, that's an interesting question. It's his property. But that falls also on the MTO, Ministry of Labor there. Uh, MTL, sorry. Uh, Ministry, MTO is the... Uh... Like, what if you want to do final inspection? You've been living there, and they're, they're living in the house. You want to come in and do final, and they're just going, oh, I'm not going to let you in the house. How do you get in the house? I know for a fact that the TSSA is not allowed without approval from the homeowner to step foot on the property. And I also know that, what is it that, uh, I'm trying to remember, Ministry of Labor cannot object to any homeowners who are not wearing any safety PPE. They are allowed to walk on they're site. They're allowed to walk on site without any PPE. Yep. If their name is on the title, yep. they're allowed they can walk to... walk bare feet, bikini, yep. whatever they want. And their and family members that live in that household, yeah. which is, that's just ridiculous, right? It's insane. It's a, it's a hazard, like massive hazard. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. So what if the homeowner says you're not allowed to step foot on my property? Okay, Mrs. Smith, you can answer that one back. Yeah. We'll figure that one out later. Why would an inspector not pass something where an engineer has given a sign-off? So his rebuttal to that was, my opinion would be that the engineers are not used to writing reports to relieve you from the requirements in the building code. Engineers are used when their expertise are required, where loads have changed from the permit drawings, where the design is outside the scope of part nine, and they input is required, uh, or they are providing reports to assist inspectors to pass stages where an inspector cannot easily perform their inspection. It is also very real possibility that the inspector actually is an engineer or an architect. I don't know. Have you met an inspector who's an engineer? No, I haven't. Not met yet. That. No. No. So if an engineer says the foundation wall of a certain thickness is structurally sound and the building code says that the thickness is too small, then I don't see how an engineer report would help the situation. I mean, I've seen that though. I have seen something that was not built to what it was drawn. And then they ended up getting an engineer report to sign off on it. And the building inspector signed off on it. Yeah. Because he's covered his butt. Yeah. So there was on the drawings, there was supposed to be a five ply LVL at the front of a structure and there wasn't, there was only a two ply. And so he was, he was stuck on that little point there. The homeowner got the engineer to sign off on a two ply was more than enough sufficient. And the engineer signed off on that. And that, that, that made the engine, the inspector happy. Right. So, so we go back to engineers. Took the report. Off of him, the yeah, liability takes the burden off of him. Yeah. So I guess that's I guess it's a constant battle back and forth. You just gotta keep on. Yeah, I mean, I've it. been told before, like, you know, I'm not gonna sign off and get an engineer's report. No, he's still gonna get a, an engineer's report all the time. Right. 
So the homeowner is going to pay for that report. Right. So how come, you know, years and years and years ago, no one's ever asked for an engineer's report? It was a long time since there, but now right. it's almost like common knowledge, eh? So we get, uh, right off the bat, we get the engineer to come out. Yeah. Engineer of, of record that has, you know, done the structural drawings? Yeah, 550 site report, site requirements. He comes but, out. He yeah. comes out, whether, you know, the inspector comes out or not, we get him to inspect. He writes a full report. This is what's been done. Yep, up, 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 up. Done. And then I email it right into the... The inspector. Yep. They have it, put it in a file. It's yeah. done. It's done. Because they'd rather not, like in not every case, but in a couple cases, especially in the bigger stuff when there's, you know, a ton of rebar and everything else in the foundation, they usually just give me the, give me the engineer's report. You know what? On a side tangent, I was just talking to George there from DGR and he was educating me about, have you heard about fiberglass rebar? No. (laughs) He's starting to use fiberglass rebar because metal during the COVID bowl is, uh, has gone up 50%. Oh, so rebar has gone up 50%. Wow. Now fiberglass rebar is cheaper, almost 50% less. Wow. But the thing is when you start getting into L rebars and you have specific rebars and fiberglass, you still got to go to steel. You got to go to steel. But, but here's the thing. Engineers can sign off on mixing and matching fiberglass rebar and also. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. But I just, I find it fascinating that there's actually a growth in fiberglass rebar now. Because wow. metal has, has gone through the roof right now. Oh, well, everything's And he crazy. was like, Google it, man. He checked it out. And I was like, dude, I didn't know anything about this. It's fascinating. I want to know more about this. Wow, that's, that's, so part, that's on a side tangent there. So nice. let's get back to Mr. Smith there. If you build better, in quotations, then why won't states get past different states of the construction, right? Mm-hmm. The Building Code Act Section 813 says no person shall construct or demolish a building or cause a building to be constructed or demolished except in accordance with the plan specification documents and any other information on the basis of which a permit was issued or any changes to them authorized by the chief building official. I didn't rehearse this, by the way. You may, in fact, be building to a higher standard, but your drawings need to reflect those changes. When a future homeowner plans on renovating and they pay to get drawings from the city and then they open up walls and find things do not match, it can cause a lot of headaches. That is not a reason mentioned anywhere. Just one example of that. that. Hmm. So I guess the reason that you need to build as per the drawings is in for future someone opens up the house again. Okay, so I can see that if you're changing something dramatically. Major, dramatically. Well, I guess my question back to Mr. Smith <laughs> would be, does that, you know, like the Tyvek. I don't want to use Tyvek. I want to use one-inch rigid code board. You know, code board, You'd have which to is, specify it on the drawings then. But if I, you know... If, but if you're using part nine, you're using Tyvek. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm building a, a better seal. I'm building, what's the difference? I guess that's my question. What's the difference whether I use Tyvek or I decide to use something a little thicker, which is rigid, so, an R5, and I put that on the outside, seal it, and I'll give tape you, it. I'll give you a scenario. So we're doing that basement rental where we added a four-foot window, but the problem is that the grade was at a certain height that the bottom of the forefoot was three foot, six inches away from the footing. Oh, okay. Which infringes on the forefoot frost line. Right. So the inspector came by. That's the only thing he looked at. Saw the drawings and he was like going, that window's actually six inches too close to, to the, the footing. Frost, right. 
So I had to have a conversation with the engineer, the architect, and a building consultant, building uh, science consultant. They all deemed that that one section of the window would never get frost on the footing based on it being at three foot six instead of four foot because four foot is the minimum. You could have just put a two inches rigid on the. That's on exactly the what the architect and right. the engineer and the building right. uh, passive person suggested. And then I submitted that to that information to the inspector and the inspector said, can you please ask one of them to put it in writing and send me that report? Right. It's done a lot. That's exactly Especially on walkouts. Done. Yeah. You know, they'll go you down have to two, do that. They'll, yeah. They'll go down two feet and they'll put two layers of two inch. So yep. you're going to get an R20 yep. and then they'll pour. And then you'll sign off. The inspector yeah, will sign yeah, off. Yeah. But I found it fascinating that this kid, and he was a kid, he had to have been in his, I don't know, I would say late 20s, early 30s. That was the only thing he was stuck on. That was it. Because it's in your head. No, it's got to be four feet. Four foot. Four foot frost yeah. line. Four foot. But and, we also, and he's right. I mean, I, it's only. But we also know that there's been some winters in Canada here where the frost line went down as low as a six. So what do you do then? It's been built right. for four. Yeah. But we don't see these buildings compromising. No. Look what happened. Like years ago when it when the frost went crazy. Like I know up in Muskoka, they were saying that it was down six, seven feet. Ooh. So what happened to the structures? Nothing, right? Or were there some structures that... Well, in, in some of the towns, like the water mains were popping everywhere. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, moving on with Mr. Smith there. Uh, should inspectors get on-site experience? This is a good question. I think they should. I'm sure it would help. This is what Mr. Smith oh, is saying. Oh, this is the question. Right. Yeah, that was the question that you posed, right? Right. He's responding back to it. Um, I'm sure it would help, but not as much as you think. Inspectors don't need to know how to form concrete, install skylights, or frame a wall. We are there to inspect what is built meets the minimum requirements of the OBC, the Ontario Building Code. Since it seems most certainly not all workers do doing the work don't know the relevant codes, I don't see how it would actually benefit the inspector to perform their job better. Oh. I agree it could bring both sides closer together and clear up some confusion, but I just don't see how it could practically be done. Would there be a curriculum or what would they work on on a construction site? Is it a good idea? But it seems difficult. So the inspector is saying that it, uh, he doesn't think so. So I disagree. <laughs> because he, he he's not there to do a better job than what you're doing. And that's not really the question. The question is for you to understand the job that's being done there. So you can be a little more, what's the word? Forgiving. Or understanding of the understanding. work that's being, yeah, the work being performed. Yeah, I, I, yeah see, I'd have to, I, I have to challenge Mr. You got to challenge that Smith. one there? Yeah. It, we'll eventually I, get Mr. Smith on the show again, but yeah. yeah. Well, we'll meet outside of the podcast I'd have one to, day. I'd have to disagree with him, too. I think that it would benefit. And like, I think, how can it not benefit? I think it would benefit. I guess that's the question. How could it not? I guess it's like, are you one of us or one of them? You know what I mean? Well, it's not even that. Like, I, like, I just think, you know, if you're on site and you actually get to see what this, you know, how it all goes together, it's, it can only help. Yeah. Again, it just boils down to everything's in a book, if because that's what I'm understanding, and that they're all taught. They always reference the book. They reference a or book, the drawings book, that were book, issued. A book, a book, right? And drawings are always issued, not approved. Right. There's a difference. Right. I was taught that by an inspector. They're issued, not approved. Hmm. <laughs> it's like that was an eye opener to hear that from nice. an inspector, all right? Because we we just naturally assume they're approved. 
but they may have missed something like that four foot window that was three feet, right. six inches away from the front, uh, from the footing. I, I'm gonna well, disagree. I don't know who said that though. The inspector said that, but which, who, which inspector, the building inspector for that department there. I said, this actually went through the system here and, and you have your building official here who signed off on it. And he goes, well, it was probably an oversight. They didn't notice that. I was like, it's the one window being added into this structure. Right. And you guys had a clear defining page just on but this window. But we just talked about it, like, don't deviate from the, from the, from the drawings. Yeah. And I, I built it. Exactly. Like we just said that. I know, but I'm being questioned now because right. I'm, I'm building it. Yeah. It's, that's contradiction right there. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Right. So I built it exactly to, to the drawings, but the inspector showed up there and he had four foot frost line stuck on it. Yeah. And so there's a conflict of interest there regarding the building code and what was built on site or the structure that's there. But I built it to exactly what the drawing said. And if point. we don't build it's it exactly what the drawing says, then we're deviating. Yeah. So we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. So it's, yeah, there's a little bit of, yeah, that doesn't jive here. We right? just got to keep on building dams. <laughs> <laughs> the building code is hard to read you said we said and we find it boring he actually said we find it boring well <laughs> it is, oh, it is and i'm sorry right uh, is it user friendly i agree he says i agree i wish there were more illustrations or it was easier to navigate but it's not there are illustrated guides available but i don't believe they are from the government so they could not be relied upon in a dispute on site Lots of things are boring and hard to understand. That is why you hire individuals who are knowledgeable in that field. Those people are all, all were able to educate themselves to become someone you rely upon to know the answers to your building code questions. Why can't you also learn them? I totally agree, though. It is dry and not enjoyable to read, but I suspect that the pamphlets and the guides that come with some of the new products you are installing are the same way. You know what? They're actually a lot better because you'll get... PKs, you'll be invited to product knowledge, yeah. you know, yeah. events, and the guys will actually break down the science behind certain things. And it's not like sales pitchy. It's actually well-informed information that's like legitimate from other countries that have been doing it forever. Ever. Yeah. So it's like, that's why we want to build those certain ways. It's just, it's not our fault. You can't penalize us if we're being told to build to the OBC standards that we feel are a little bit further behind in other parts of the world. Right. So if they're building better in other parts of the world and we want to build just as good as them, why can't we do that? But don't we think a lot of this is common sense? You would think that, but then there's an argument because it's not in the OBC. No, but I think, don't you, don't you think that a lot of the code is common yeah, sense? Yeah, I would say so. I would say like so. Like what are the major, major things? Like one is foundation. Yeah, I mean, you, you do a couple of them. You start to really figure out, okay, well, this is how they should be done. Generally, the top should yeah. be all level. And if, you, and if you're not totally sure, throw an extra piece of rebar in because then you know. I think a lot of it is common sense to, to someone that's in the business. Do you know what I mean? So it goes back to the inspector who's book smarts and not site smarts. Well, no, not really. But, I mean, it's, it, as, you're, as, you're, as you're you know starting your career as a builder or whatever contractor this is where experience comes in and that's what i'm saying that then it just becomes second nature yeah okay i know it's got to be at least four feet in the ground done i know i need to have a header across the window you know jack stud king stud all that kind of shit we know that's just common sense i mean i know i mean i've walked on sites before and i look up and i go holy christ you only got 
two by six there. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, but that's all it's called for. All right. I mean, to me, I would have got, okay, well, I, would, I probably would have went with a two by eight, but because you got lots of space to fool around in there, right? It's funny, yeah. Instead of framing it down. Yeah, exactly. Go bigger. Yeah. Right? But you're not an engineer. But I'm not an engineer. But then if I know it's bigger than I know. Then right? it works. But right. It, I agree with you that, it, yeah, I mean, it is a lot of it is common sense. I guess the challenge becomes when you start building buildings or homes that start questioning just a square box. Right, but I think now it boils down to building science. That's where you get the science part of it. This is where it's... I know that Han's a building guy. He just did a couple of videos where he was talking about the proper way to insulate a flat roof assembly. Right, and, and why, I was watching that. Yeah, flat yeah. roof assemblies fail. Yeah. And it's funny that they fail as per the way that the OBC is asking you to build it. Yes. But he suggested to solve the issue is putting two layers of foam on top of the roof. Right. And then put your membrane. Put your membrane on top of that. Yeah. And that way you get the insulation and then you won't get the condensation. You won't get the dew point. And then also have a breathable membrane. But the building code is not asking for that. No. They're no. asking for bat with an airspace through the whole flat roof assembly, but that assembly fails. It's been proven that it fails. Over and over again. Right. Yeah. So it's like that's why I keep on going back to the OBC is behind. I think that we're building better, faster than the OBC can catch can up to keep us. Up. Yeah. There, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Smith, is the building code like, I know they're always trying to, they're adding, 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 keeping it up, updating, updating, but aren't they three, four years behind? I always thought it was two. Is it? Okay. I thought it was two years behind. Okay. I mean, it's, that's a good point. We're almost, okay. A few more here. You mentioned us delaying the jobs. That was you, Jim, by the way. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, assuming there is an, act, an actual building code issue and not something that the inspector just likes to see, a deficiency on site that costs money to repair is not considered a factor when it comes to applying the building code. The code does not mention costs. It likely would have been a, sim a similar price to do it correct and to do it wrong. If there's an actual code issue, that falls on the people doing the work, not the inspector for pointing it out. Further to this, the BCA Section 18 gives inspectors powers, uh -oh, powers, where an inspector may require the production for inspection of documents or things, including drawings or specifications that may be relevant to the building or any part thereof, and required information from any person concerning a matter related to a building or part thereof. Very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> what I got from it is that they can question it. You can build it. They can question it again. You can build it. And you got to keep on building it until they have no more questions. Mm -hmm. And they have the right to do that. Of course they do. And, and I guess that's my point. But that causes delays by doing that. Right. So you rub one the wrong way. You disagree. He doesn't like you anymore then he just gives you a hard time. I'm not saying that it happens all the time, but it does happen there's, on occasion. There's been tension. Right? Yeah. And then there's others that just, God love them, they take forever to do an inspection, takes them eight hours and, you know, do a framing inspection. And then they said, well, I'm not finished. I'll have to come back for another three hours tomorrow. You've had an yes. inspector come in to do a framing inspection and it's taken eight hours? He showed up at 10 and did not leave until four and going to have to come back. What was he doing building a 
popsicle house? Like, what's going on there? This is... <laughs> yeah, it was the first. For oh, sure. wow. Yeah. I've never had that. A 3,000 square foot house. So that's, a, that's an average size house. Yeah. You're in and out and... You know, What's he inspecting? Like, what is he looking at? Every we did single... not know. We couldn't, we, like, we were losing our minds. What were you guys doing? Just standing around? No, no I, like, <laughs> Dan did the first round. Oh, you guys were tag teaming. Like, you were just handing it off. And... Then I, yeah, then I, I did the, um, <laughs> Dan, oh, wow. Dan said, I, look at you got to go do the mechanical. He goes, your background's <laughs> mechanical anyway. He goes, I can't do it. He goes, I'll, I'll lose it. So I went, and it was getting into two hours. And finally, I said, dude, like, enough now. You're questioning yourself on some of this stuff. I said, I can tell you. I said, this is, this is what I did for a living. This, it's on the drawing. I said, why do you question it? He goes, well, I just maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the, man, the manufacturers, whatever, I go, what's that got to do with you? You're just making sure we have the return airs, this, that. Make sure it's the right size for us. Well, that's it. They're in the places that we said we're going to put them. Yeah, the HVAC design's like, got it all laid out. That's it. We don't want your personal opinion on this, right? You know oh, what? Yeah, you bring crazy. up a good point because how it's easy for an inspector to make it personal. Right. Is, isn't it? Yes. You're still a human being. You're still yeah. coming onto someone's job site, and, and how it's it's easy for them to make it personal. Yeah, they may question certain things, but are they right? They could be wrong. They're human. You're saying that we could make mistakes, but we're saying that you could make mistakes. Sure. Eight hour inspection. Yeah. I've never had that. I actually had to phone it in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> Moving on. Taxpayers. Let's talk about money. Oh, okay. Taxpayers' money pays inspectors. This is somewhat correct, he says. As right. far as I, I understand, building permits. Right. The permit fees pay inspectors' wages. As far as I understand, where I work, you don't pay more money for permits if you if I come out for eight or twelve times, you pay the same amount. Who paid the permit fees? <laughs> Was it not the taxpayer? Was it not the guy that owned the house? The taxpayer. That's exactly so, paying. I mean, right? at the end of the day, so, somebody's paying for the permit. Yeah. It's us. Yeah. So it's kind of the correct. The homeowners. It's kind of correct. Uh, the building code changes. If you've been doing something for 30 years, one, it doesn't mean you have been doing it right for 30 years. I completely agree with that. 100%, Mr. Smith. I totally. Agree. 100%. Yes. Of course, if it was something serious, this should have been caught or dealt with a long time ago. Two, there are changes. What you consider the right way 10 years ago may not longer be the right way today. 100% I agree with you. Yep. I unfortunately believe that construction is also a lot of slow-moving parts. Right, that's just my opinion. That's somebody said. So, so you consider that the right way ten years ago may not be the right way now. The wrong way it might be considered. And I agree with you. Like when spray foam was first introduced, the building code was telling us to put six mil poly over it. Right. And that was wrong. Right. Depending which one, half pound or two pound. Right? Two pound. So it, two, yeah. it was wrong to do that. And then we all. So what about all those structures that were built with poly on it on the inside wall? But so, look at the building science now. What we're doing, we do it on the outside. Outside, do the continuous insulation. And where right? did we get that from? The Germans. 
I've been saying it for a hundred years. I know. Well, I'm, I'm not a hundred years old, but <laughs> look like it. <laughs> okay, so moving on. MOL connection. So is there a connection between the Ministry of Labor and building inspectors? As far as he knows, there is no actual affiliation between building inspectors and MOL. MOL is through the Ontario government, and the building code is enforced by municipal counties, etc. If I go to a site and I see an obvious issue i would likely bring it up to the contractor to address it if they don't then i would call the mol Ooh. Dum, dum, dum. Ooh. if it is something serious i would call mol and mention it wow okay i do not want to have the liability of attending a site where something was obviously dangerous and someone was injured or killed both on a professional and personal level for example for an outside uh, drain inspection if there are no trench boxes in place where they would be required due to the depth of the excavation i will advise the contractors i am not performing the ball test and therefore cannot complete my inspection and would ask them to book it again when a trench box is on site and recommend that they not enter the trench until the proper safety equipment is on site 100 a thousand percent agree with yes, that. I'm yes, not going to yes, put yes, any yes. inspector or any And I agree labor. with what he's saying. Yeah. If, if you jump onto a site and it's a shithole yeah. and it's, you know, it's not safe, definitely. But what he is saying is that if he does see something, he may call the MOL. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. Should he? He should. Anybody should. Yeah, because if there's danger there and something yeah. happens, you don't want to be. Like, that's just, and I agree with you, man, on a personal level, for sure. Code issues, his last one, here's his code issues, pushback from inspectors. There are many areas of the code that are open to interpretation, unfortunately. Hmm, by whom? If an inspector thinks that the code should be applied one way, but you believe differently, you would likely need to provide actual code references or reports from applicable professional instead of simply saying you don't like it or it's not fair. You would never go to court and argue to a judge or jury that you shouldn't be found guilty because the sentence isn't fair or the law doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it goes back to documentation. Yeah. So there's no point in, in beating a dead horse on site with the inspector and just say, fine, I will get the documentation from the person that I need, the professional that I need to get the but documentation did, but from. But didn't we say earlier that he doesn't always have to accept that documentation it's kind of a contradiction right? right so it's like do you accept it goes back to my scenario i built it to the exact drawings the drawings were issued not approved but then the inspectors noticing that we're infringing on the four foot frost line so who's right who's wrong technically speaking i built it correctly so i shouldn't have to change it i shouldn't have to modify it nothing at all I'm building it as per the drawings. If those drawings are submitted as a file as per the, the job was done and the job and the job was closed and someone buys that house and they open it up again, then they're going to discover that that was three foot, six inches away from the footing. Right. Because it was built as per the drawings. Now, okay, so here's the question. But now I got to go to inspect. I got to go to an architect or an engineer and get them to write a letter, which is going to cost money to submit it to the inspector to say that. Let's just say, let's just throw this scenario out there. If that happens, the house gets sold. Mm -hmm. And then there's damage to the foundation wall because it's only three and a half feet in. So you're saying the city's responsible? Well, I'm just, you know, let me finish here, brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had this. Oh. Not, you know, this exact thing, but where the city's approved it. 
The house has been it, sold. Issued it. it issued it. <laughs> Inspected it. Mm-hmm. Passed the inspection. Passed the inspection. Let it go. Five years down the road, somebody buys the house, whatever. Something happens to the foundation at that window well. They happen to have the drawings. And let's just say they're savvy enough to look at them and go, this should have never been approved in the first place. Mm. Issued. Mr. Smith, I I guess this is a loaded question for him too. Mm -hmm. Could they come back to the city and i and you know i don't i'm sure the city has enough of the problems with you know people coming back and trying to sue the city because they didn't do this they didn't do that and they didn't do this this is why now we have engineers all the time to take the liability take the liability yeah that wasn't back in the day i think no, it Early, wasn't. earlier it wasn't always i'll get an engineer to sign up no. on that footings uh, footings 15 years ago, the guy just show up, stand on top of the hole. Hey, Jim, you got the rebar in there? Perfect. I'll see you when you pour. Right? (laughs) Gone. That's the way it was. But not today. Not today. I guess the city gets sued a lot. Do they? Yes. I I think they do. And then, Mr. Smith, maybe you can answer that for us. And then, you know, everything we just talked about for the last hour and a half, we can throw out the window because you're right about everything. (laughs) 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 There's a reason that, you know, you're there and we have engineers. So the city does not get sued. The city has to cover their ass. It's interesting. It is. It's a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting. So there's a lot of gray areas is what I'm seeing. Right. But I think that if both sides work together to find a, a reason like to resolve this i don't think there's a lot of gray i mean there's gray areas but again i, I think it just boils down to common sense but okay so and, it, uh, and knowing and knowing and that's why i go back saying if the inspectors had some some experience of being on a job site and watching a house being built from the ground up and they would see your and, point and then and then maybe it would be easier to Relate. So yes. what's the what's the reply on that? Should contractors have just as much experience from the OBC? It's oh, a boring book to read, and like it's right. Are you really gonna Are you gonna retain that information? I guess you know what I mean. In in, in if you, <laughs> I guess the answer could be yes. You know, should we? You know, before we get into this, I mean, everybody say, well, geez, you should read this book. Christ, I still be reading. It's true. And trying to figure it out go to section this over 16 pages away and then return the book upside down because that's how you <laughs> read the code, right? I mean, it's it's not the easiest thing to read. No, it's not, but I mean, and you're but again, right. I, I, I think it, you know, if you just, it boils down to experience, boils down to, to um, oh, so what did I say before? You know, common sense. If it doesn't look right, then it's probably not, not right. right. Like, if you have to second-guess yourself, go, oh, geez, I don't know. You know what? Then it's not. Do you think, Jim, that everything in the OBC, if you were to build it exactly how the OBC is asking you to build it, it would be perfectly fine on site? No. I think there would be some lapse in connections. And structurally, it may be okay, but look at building science now. Look what you just talked about. Practical, yeah, It it would not. It would not. So that's where the disconnect is. Like, how many times, you know, way back... I keep saying way back. No, let's, let's say 10 years back when spray foam was, you know, hanging around, still everybody out. Up north, I built a cottage, built my own cottage, and we did spray. We spray foam the whole thing. 
On the rock, right? On the rock. Yeah. Yeah. And not Newfound. Not Newfound. No, no, not Halifax. Not that rock. But, <laughs> and, um, so and I got, you know, so, you know, and I was so used to, you know, he spray foamed and, you know, I said, okay. And I said, so you want me to put the vapor barrier? He goes, why would you put vapor barrier? I go, dude, are you serious? He goes, no. He goes, you don't need to. It's closed. It's closed cell. It's two pounds. He goes, you don't need a vapor. It is the vapor barrier. I said, you know what? You're the first inspector that has ever said it. In the city, got a vapor barrier. But it wasn't an inspector that taught me that. It was an actual spray foam technician that taught right. me that. Right. But, but it, and you know what he but said? It was it's in the not OBC. in the code yet. Uh, I know, but it was in the code to put the, the poly on. And that's where I was arguing where like, okay, so fine. You built it 10 years ago where the code was telling us to put the poly. And that was actually trapping moisture, which was deteriorating the framing. Look at the old houses. So it then, was better. You did like the house that I was oh, raised breathe. in. Yeah. And you know, block, strapping, paper. But you can't build a house and like plaster today. You can't. There was no mold in that house. You can't. Because the wind went right through Because it, it. breathed right through. Right. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Smith, for all these questions Yeah, no, that was, you know what? That was awesome. Thank you. We that really appreciate awesome. it. So much, and yeah. I'm sure that you'll be sending me back another list. Yeah, no, this, I think we should. I think every we should have at least one question from him. For sure. He's going to. He's an avid listener, so he's always going to. Yeah. We're not picking on you, man. We just no, love that just the conversation is happening. It. That's all. Patrick from builders.ca sent me a message this week just about mechanical increases in ABS glues and other everyday. Oh. All right, just for everybody who's not here, I just slid a bottle of wine across the table, 12 feet. (laughs) No, don't worry about it, man. You take the rest. No way. Or slide it over, slide it over. Oh, it might fall over this time. No, no. Send me your glass. Oh, that's a better idea. And then you're going to send me a glass that's full of wine in it? Well, it's not. Hang on, so you can do it. There, oh, look at that. Goal! <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, we love these. We love these, man. Okay, so Patrick, sorry. Patrick from builders.ca sent me a message this week about mechanical increases in ABS, glues, and other everyday items, which you use, and he's asking if we are hearing and seeing the same thing. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing that that glues are actually increased. I know that metal's gone up, and we obviously know that Price? Lumber. Price. You seen any? Glues? I think everything's gone up. Like you, I, I don't have know. Have you seen I mean, plumbers? Have you seen the plumbers increase their prices? Uh, Mechanical. He keeps threatening me. He's going to increase. <laughs> oh, but he hasn't yet, eh? No, no. My guys haven't either. So that's interesting. So no, I've only seen lumber and and metal go go up dramatically. Yeah. I, don't I didn't. Know. I you know what? I didn't know metal went up that much. Metal went. I didn't crazy, know it was dude. that crazy. Bailey's and steel studs and everything is insane. Good luck, really? man. Good luck. Wow. Okay, I got Flo from Pro Custom Painting asking, why is it that employees always feel that you as the owner of the business are making all the money? I know. Get used to it being an owner. (laughs) And and, and they should be paid more, the employees, than what you are offering. He thinks that it is primary reason why employees are so quick to leave and go to another employer. Okay, so it depends what you're offering, number one. To begin with, but it's yeah. true that a lot of employees think that you as the business owner, you're making all the cake, but you also are covering all the overhead. You're the one that's taking all the risks. All the risks. Sorry, guys. Like if, you know, at the end of the day, after, you know, 20 years of 
working and 16 hours a day, losing money, money. I'd like to make a little bit of cake. I like to make, yeah, I should be able, should be allowed to make a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. But, But, you know, going back, I mean, but they also should be paid a fair amount. Sure. What they're worth for sure. So what do you, let me ask you, Jim, what should a kid starting out, what should he be paid? So what's a kid? Okay. To so me, someone, to someone you're a school. kid to me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been called a kid in a while, man. Mind you, I still pull out my ID at the LCBO. <laughs> it always gives the ladies Just a little chuckle. Just go through the wine agent. You'll yeah, never have to go to the I LCBO have to deal with it at all. Um, okay, so someone who's just getting started out. So let's say he's got some education. Let's say he's done a degree and he comes on a job site. He doesn't have that much on-site experience, but he's hungry. He's a laborer. So what should a laborer start at? Like today. Today. I would say between 18 and 20. Okay, so 18 and 20 gets you around the, what, 50K a year. It's a lot of money for not knowing a fucking thing. I know. For, for let's say, a 22-year-old, that is a lot of money. That's more than fair. Yeah. But I find that a lot of those kids at that age, they want more. Right, but if they come, we always give them like a three-month. Yeah, you got to give them a try. Three-month run, right? For so sure. we probably start them off at 18. You know, see what they're, if they come with a skill, you know, they went to trade school or something like that, then you know what, then they can get up a little quicker. But if you're coming with n- nothing, then you're going to have to work your way up. So and, f- and it's all going to boil, it, it's going to just come down to, to to your attitude, how eager you are, yeah. your, dri- your drive. Yeah, your drive, your passion. Yeah. So he has a follow-up question there where it basically continues, where it's like, okay, so the starting wage, what happens after six months? What happens after one year? At what point should you be offering a raise? Which point, what's a fair wage for yeah, these? Again, you know, boils down to your performance. what's your trade. Yeah. You know, are, are you a first-year apprentice, second-year, third? Right? You know, you have, to, you, you have to go the stages. But you also have to stay, you got to stay, like, passionate and, and you got to be loving it. Like, you can't get lazy. Again, what have we said all the time? Stop chasing the money. Yeah. If you like what you do, you will get there. Yes. But if you want to be on the tools, we'll go back to an hour and a half ago or an hour ago. If you want to be on the tools all the time, you will get there and make a great wage. You're there. But, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're making, making $100,000 a year. It's not hard to. It's not hard to. It's not hard to be a 30-year-old making hundred grand. Not at all. In construction. Not at all. That's not a difficult thing. That's not a difficult goal to achieve. And then, you know, and you guys out there that are 20 years old and, you know, you're going to get in the trade of some kind, you could be making that. And it'll be probably more than that in yeah. 10 years. Probably, I would say, by the time you're 20. If you're 20, time you're 27, 28 you will be making six digits. That's not unheard of, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. A couple of final notes, not necessarily questions, more like compliments. Joe Roselli got back to us and he was just saying that he remembers watching you on Real Rentals and you talked about starting out as a deck builder and that led to custom homes. Hearing this gave Joe the confidence to build his business. So he just wants a huge thank you to you. Oh, thanks. thanks. Right on, Joe. Uh, Joe's, you know what? Joe's kind of like my <laughs> my uh, work in progress. <laughs> I like I like Joe. I've, I've never met Joe, but we've had many many conversations on the uh, on the phone and gave him a bit of advice. And he seems to be working. And uh, I told him I'd love him to come up to Canada, great. man, and uh, work with us and show him some 
Show them the Canadian way. <laughs> Show them the Canadian way. So we have Justin Party from at Timberwolf.carpentry. He's a skilled framer, deck, and fence builder. He reached out. He's 25, young and hungry. He's in school studying passive building. He's like a lot of tradespeople out there, nervous about making those moves to build a business. After listening to the show and hearing us answer those questions, he feared. He built the confidence to keep moving forward. Justin's question is about quoting. His concern is how can he get as accurate as possible with his quote? And where's he from? I don't know. No, Timberwolf. I think he's actually a Toronto boy. I got to double check that. Justin Party from Timberwolf.carpentry. And what is he? He does decks. Is that what he's doing? He's a skill framer, deck, and fence builder. He's 25, young and hungry, and he's studying st- uh, passive building right now. He's, he's actually adding to his resume, man. Nice, nice. So he just, I, you know what? It's always hard. I guess to get as accurate as possible to quoting is just experience. Well, it's that too. Yeah, I mean, it's totally experience. And then you're, you're going to go and you're going to try to figure out, okay, let's just use a deck. Let's just use a deck, for instance, and, you know, he's figure out all his material figure out what he's going to do for, you know, helical piles or whatever, how much they are, add all that in, add another 10, 15% on top of that because you're going to forget something. Yeah, just in case. And then you got to figure out what what your time's worth. Your wage. Your wage and stick to it. And then that's how you get to your number. Yeah, and then it's just trial and error. You got to figure out what formula works the best for you. Either square footage cost, how long do you think it's going to take you, but give yourself a rate. Don't go, you know, okay, well, I'm going to do it for 25 bucks an hour. No. You're a full journeyman. That's how you got to look at yourself. You have the skills. You have the skills. What are you worth? Are you worth 60 bucks an hour? Because you got cars, trucks to pay, tools to pay, insurance to pay. That has to be your number. And then you figure it out. If it's going to be a week, 60 times, 60 times 40 hours is... There you go. 24, 2500 bucks. And Justin, don't forget, listen, you're a deck builder and a fence builder. That means you're a finisher. Yeah. Your workmanship is finishing. You're yeah. not rough framing. You're finish framing. Yeah. That's what you're doing there. So also factor that into your wage and what you're supposed to be compensated, right? Yeah. Because when you finish that deck and you finish that, that fence, you're adding stain or you're adding a coat of oil or something, and that's it. It's done. Right. What I used to do back... Before I started, I used to look at, I threw a number in my head. If I didn't, and this is going back a bit. If I couldn't make $250 a day, this is kind of when I started. But that's what guys do today. Right? They figure out their, their daily figure rate. Because if you can't do that on your own, then you may as well go work for somebody. Because you're going to make the same money. Maybe even more. So after you cover all your expenses and you take home your wage, you were you were capping yeah. yourself at two fifty. You wanted to reach two fifty a day. That was back then. So that I don't know. Then. Maybe T- today so it's more. It's like four hundred. It have to be right. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like eight times six is like almost five hundred bucks a day. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you should look at. But it's not unheard of to talk to finished trim guys or finished tile guys, and and they're in the fifty sixty dollar range, man. For sure. You know what I mean? That's what their skill. But but you're talking about a guy that you can leave alone, give him a scope, and then go to town. Here's what I want. You turn around and it's doors are hung, done. trim's yeah. done, everything's friggin' yeah. finished, right? I'm not yeah. talking about a guy who's gonna spend eight hours building a template. No. You know what I mean? So it's like, you, yeah, you if you want that wage, you gotta work that wage. Yeah. That's just how it is. So what's his name? Justin. Justin Party, and it's uh, Timber Timberwolf Carpentry. Justin. 
when you listen to this, give us a shout. When you're going to quote something, let us know. And then I wouldn't mind... Um, reviewing to, it. Yeah, reviewing it and questions. helping you through it. And just, you know, just why not, right? I mean, it's not bad to have another set of eyes on it. You know what that's you know what I would have to say, Jim, is that I would say that okay, you know what talking about guest speaking, everyone's always afraid about guest speaking. They're nervous right. about guest speaking and they always say, Why don't you just picture yourself naked and or not you, but the <laughs> crowd is naked. Sorry. Right. My version of guest speaking is completely different than everybody else's version, right? right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying is like you let your guard down, right? And I think that's the number one thing that every single trans person out there is afraid is to share their quotes, their it's estimates. True. They're scared to death because you're going to steal it from you. You're going to steal if it's good, and you're going to either laugh if it's bad, you're going to criticize if it's bad, and then it's, it's, it's going to be like this self-conscious kind of conscious thing going on. And I think that's part of what we want to talk about regarding the association is that we want to just have an open conversation about it and just go, listen, this is how we do it. This is how you do it. This is how we should maybe consider that, consider yeah. that. And then all of a sudden, everybody's not self-conscious about how they present their numbers. Oh, really? But I find it very interesting that guys are so nervous about sharing their estimates, their quotes, or how they do it. I think when you get everybody in a room, they're not. No. Because the first time no. we had, we did the, the round table when we had 50 guys, a lot of them just got up and just opened up. This yeah. is how I do it. Yeah. It's exactly how Dan did it. He got up and said, this is how I do it. And then he goes, so what do you think? Some guys go, hey, maybe you should do this. But that all the rest of that, that's a great idea. And then the guys from out west in Alberta, he did, you know, Blair just got up and he just said, look, I number one, I don't do anything under under a hundred thousand. Number two, he goes, it's twenty-five percent is my fee. Period. That's his wage. He goes, it's ten percent for me, the company, it's ten percent for the guy who runs the job. It's 3% for admin and 2% for marketing. That's it. If they don't pay me, if they don't want to pay me that wage, I don't go. I don't do Then it. I don't do the job. Right. Because and he was totally upfront about it. And guys are going, you know what? Well, that's a brilliant way. They're taking notes. Taking notes, right? You don't get every job. I think the more transparent you are, I, I, I think that's, you know, it, it just shows honesty, transparency, and everything else that you're not hiding anything. Look, I'm in a business. I need to make a living. Just like you do. So here, all I want is this to do this. I'm not asking for anything. Break it down. Show them. Here, look at Here's my material cost. Five grand. This is what I I need to make to be here for a week. It's nothing, you know. I mean, if they don't want you to make any money, then why do you want to do their job? I think it's important not to be afraid to have these conversations with other tradespeople. No. Don't no, think that in the back of your head they're going to just steal the way you do it. They don't. They may actually... Make a suggestion that'll make it better. Look, you know what? I, if everybody kind of did the same thing, we'd all be busy. We wouldn't have the insecurities. Right. It, it, it would boil down to you as a person. Your character. Whether you're going to get the job or not. Numbers are all the same. Do you like me or not? Now you get a fair shake at three contractors that yeah. are presenting three legitimate quotes that the, the client can consider instead of the one that's a FU quote and the one that's really yeah. lowball that doesn't know anything. You get legitimate quotes in between. That's what you get. I still think this business might have said it before. And I was just talking to, you know, my buddy Billy Ferguson, and we were talking about quoting. He was quoting a job that another buddy contractor he was working or quoting on. 
And he just phoned him up. He goes, look, I know we're bidding on the same job, but he goes, are you around this number? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I am. He goes, you're, yeah. He goes, he goes, okay, great. And he just said, you know what? At the end of this, I'm not going to take the job. I don't want the job. So if you want to go for it, go ahead. He goes, I already think this is going to be a pain in the ass. So I really don't want the job. That's not what I, you know, what, why I said that it's, I think this industry, if we all just come together, we can do that. I can just phone you. Hey, Manny, look, I know we're pricing. Ah, you know what? Will. Will Gunnell. I remember that. Yeah. Right? I phoned him up. I go, dude, I think you're pricing the same job. He goes, no way. I go, yeah, I think way. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I go, look it. I don't care who gets the job. doesn't matter. But I said, what did you think of the client? He goes, they're completely lost in what they think it's going to be. Yeah. I said, I had this thing at a million one to, to a million three all day. He goes, so do I. I said, but did they tell you what their budget was? He goes, yeah, half a million dollars. I said, we had her in tears when we told her how much it was going to be. But again, you know what? It's great that you can just phone up. And just reaffirm that, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's your competitor, but it's also your buddy. And just look. I know I can't do it for this, and it seems like none of us can, but it's nice just to say, okay, well, I'm not nuts. I am, we're all on the same page. But that goes with experience, too, that you get to a point where, like I said, you'll get three contractors that'll be in the same ballpark because yeah. they broke it down same way. They have the same markup. They have the same yeah. cost, the same overheads. So they're going to be all around the same price. You just get a client that's, like she'll get three quotes or they'll get three quotes and they don't like that quote. Yeah. So they'll look for that one and you will get that person will come in and go, sure, I could do it for 500. And then it just becomes a fiasco. But this one, this is what may happen. This is where I blame the architect. I think they're the one that planted the seed on the amount, the budget. Well, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're renovating and adding on and it's, comes out to almost 3,000 square feet. If no, it's, I think it was like 33. For the new... Well, the, the new slash, you know, gut the main, the second, yeah, add on yeah, a third, yeah, yeah, build yeah. out the back. That's basically a house. Well, it is. It's brand, I mean, brand new. So how do you... Even at, even at 300 bucks a foot, it's a million bucks. So where do they get this and, 500? And, and, and when we said that, she, she, like... She, she almost, there was a tear, like her eyes glassed over. She goes, well, we just thought it was like 500 to maybe 600,000. And both Dan and I are just sitting there and I go, I said, did the architect not give you a number? I said, you know, she goes, well, yeah, but you know, they said around 750. I go, <laughs> so they're off too. But I said, why do you what so I guess maybe you could do it for seven fifty, but you can't gut the main floor. You can't gut the second floor. But well, that's what we want. Okay, but I'm just telling you you can't do it. What you want. Right. I said if you want to spend five hundred thousand, you can't gut the can't gut this, you can't gut the second, you can't add the addition on, you can add the third floor on. And then you know you can dick around with everything else maybe you're going to get it done for that but 
But see, this is where I know we're going off on some other tangent, but this is but this is where the architect needs to step up at the plate. Well, that's why you gotta be all on the same page, man. Our in-house, great. Right off the bat, just four hundred bucks a foot. He would know. He would give a he fair price. He just said it's just Look, if you're asking, it's four hundred bucks a foot. If it comes down, it's only three fifty. As a client, but, you might as well swallow that pill right then and there right. and figure it out. And then it, at that point, redraw it. Yeah. At that point. I got a client coming in on Thursday that we have to start their house soon. And I got to deliver <laughs> the cost. The cost. And they wanted to, you know, we got to keep this at two million. We got to keep this at two million. Where do they get the two million number from? I always ask that. Well, question. that's just it because they came through one of my houses and I said, it's around 400 bucks a foot. Oh, okay. So that's two million. So that's like 5,000 feet then. <laughs> I said, well, you're going to do the basement. So why don't we just call it 4,500 or something? That's what you can build. Well, then why am I pricing something that's 6,000 feet plus a basement? So it's really 8,000 feet square feet of living space above ground i'm already at 2.5 <laughs> and i still got 2000 a walkout at 2000 square feet a walkout basement walkout basement i gotta finish so plenty of windows right so that's another 2000 feet so what do we put it at 200 dollars a foot no you can't do that well i don't know let's just say we do it that's 400 so, yeah, so now what i'm at i'm at three million you're closer to three million exactly yeah. can we throw a pool in there too what the Really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But they said to keep it at two million. Yep. So you got to have that conversation with them. Yep. That'll be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's gonna be a good one. I should put the <laughs> hide the cameras up here. <laughs> have the facial recognition oh, video going Jesus. on there and see where they lose their shit. We got to wrap this up, Jim. Uh, All right. Th this was another good show. A bunch of questions. I just got a few little. Thanks again to everybody. Please, everybody, reach out to me, and I'll keep on sending out stickers. I got 400 of them to give out. So Nice. doesn't matter where you guys are in the world. I will send out these stickers. And then, please, if you get a chance, tag us, man. And, again, thank you so much for everybody yeah, listening. And, guys, just you know, send us something and just say if you're interested, if you think we could actually pull this association thing off. Yeah. Why not? We want to do it. We, Love to we do really want to do it, and we want to bring the construction industry... Uh, together because uh nobody else is really doing it you know it's tired of everybody being on their own like why why do you want to just be the loner the lone ranger and there's enough <laughs> money for all of us brother <laughs> i had a joke about tonto but i was gonna leave it alone yeah. uh you, no no but no but it, no no i didn't do it but uh <laughs> the therapist again no 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 so it's, I, I honestly think guys that if you are interested keep bugging us about the the association or yeah. something. We want to bring construction back together. Look, okay, so why don't we just ask this? Look, guys, there's a lot of listeners out there. Say you would be part of it. And if we get a thousand guys that are interested in doing it, that gives us our go. Is that yeah. fair? Is that fair? You know what? If, yeah, if you guys want to be a part of this association that we're going to create, where we're going to give back to you guys, let us know. And we'll start adding you to a list. And then we will build it. That's just bottom line. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You know where to find us. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank Carrick you, Hall, brother. Jim Carrick. 
uh, Hardcore Rentals. Find us on Instagram. Find us on all kinds of social media. Don't find me after 10 o'clock. I won't. I'll yeah. ignore you until 4 o'clock well, in the morning. Good luck finding me on social media. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> it out. So. No, Jim said he's going to post for the next two weeks straight every single day. So everybody pay attention. Jim Carrick, Jim Carrick. We want to get him to 2,000 followers. May have nothing to do with building. <laughs> <laughs> they have all kinds of something. You know, if it was warmer outside, the bike will be on there. The bike will be on there. I guarantee yeah. you the bike yeah. will be on there, man. Okay, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. We'll Thanks. see you guys next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye.